Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, and welcome back to another episode of the Dope Black Women podcast. Each week, you'll hear from black women from around the world, talking about the stories and issues that matter most to us. This week, I'm speaking to two drag kings about their work, performing in drag and masculinity. Allow them to introduce themselves. Um, yeah, my name is a day, uh, like a night. Um, I go by Wesley Dykes when I'm performing drag. Um, and I guess in that context, I am a drag king. Nice. I'm uh, Isabel Adamaka Young. I use she, her, and my drag character, Izzy a man, uses he, him. Um, and I perform mainly with Pex Drag Kings. And then I'm an actor and voice artist aside from that. Well, thank you so much, both of you, for being on this week's episode of Dope Black Women. Um, me, myself, I love drag as an art form. I like, I love the creativity and the diversity that goes into it. And I think it's really interesting how drag is changing and, you know, what even is drag is changing. And especially as we're kind of, you know, live events are becoming more and more of a thing. And hopefully, we're, you know, we're coming back to some kind of normality on that. I just thought it was such a interesting opportunity to have this conversation. So I think most people will know what drag queens are they they kind of have seen it on tv or in film but you know people i guess aren't as familiar with drag kings so how would you guys describe it and how did you get into it um certainly like when i started i wasn't familiar with drag kings like i'd never seen a drag king perform um knew of drag queens obviously um but yeah i guess a sort of a potted definition and I obviously would be really interested to know what a day thinks about this but I would say a drag king is a performer who is like most likely not read as a man day to day um so like the obvious sort of inversion would be drag queens are men and drag kings are women but that's a very limiting view um but it's a performer who wants to explore masculinity and like shed a light on it critique it wear it and then take it off again just kind of play with the concept and like yeah show how much of gender is performative yeah yeah <laughs> I would say similarly yeah I just find being a drag king is a space where you're able to use masculinity as fodder and if you're a drag queen then you use femininity as fodder like whoever you are however you identify outside of drag space yeah and how did you guys get into it? I mean, do you remember the first time getting into drag and what that experience was like? Um, it, <laughs> it was very interesting. My first time doing drag was on Halloween 
Um, the classic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, able to hide in, <laughs> hide in broad daylight. Um, yeah, it was. I had seen a couple of drag drag kings who were in the town I was living in at the time, and um, I hadn't really like thought about drag kings as a thing. Like like Isabel, I also um, knew what drag queens were, but didn't realize um, people were doing it in other ways. Um, so I just decided that I was going to do it at one of the like gay nights that happened every week and um yeah it was very fun and exciting um but when I started it was definitely more of an entertainment sort of space and nowadays I'm a lot more intentional about playing with gender and challenging things within my body and using it in spaces outside of just like a bar or club um like theater spaces and things like that yeah Isabel what about you do you remember the first time it's funny like when people ask me that normally I sort of naturally go to like oh when our drag collective started which was um just out of university coming up on 10 years ago now which is absolutely terrifying but then I was like I know but then I was like actually no the first I remember the first time I like performed as a male character and I was actually seven years old and I was playing this wizard called Moloch in like a family and friends like silly production and I I remember the feeling of like suddenly being like oh if I wear these clothes and like perform in this different way it's like I'm me but like another version of me and I can do different things to what I would normally do and I remember feeling that like obviously not I wasn't some like like genius like critical child but (laughs) I was like gender is performative no but you know like kids know and I felt that in my body I remember that Mm. sensation totally you don't know the words but exactly you know you you don't have the vocabulary but you understand the feeling of it precisely yeah and then yeah with pecs we um it was a little bit more deliberate only slightly though we were very very um, (laughs) unknowledgeable to begin with um but yeah a group of us basically got together um to try out masculinity and then we kind of we literally just rented a room and like had google and like music videos and just kind of ideas and a bit of costume and we ended up making our first show out of that and then went on to yeah, to perform as Pex Drag Kings. Yeah, amazing. Um, I mean, you both touched on this about how drag has always been political, how it's always kind of like been a political act, even though it's still entertainment, it has this, you know, deliberative message behind it, I suppose you could say. And I guess like, how have you both found being women in that space that is usually dominated by men, whether it's, you know, men talking about masculinity or men talking about homophobia, whatever it is, it's usually fro- usually by and large from a male perspective, what we see dominated in drag. I mean, how did you guys find your voice in that and find your space in that? Um, certainly when Peck started, we part of what brought our founders to ask the question of like, what is the quote unquote opposite of a drag queen? Like, where are all the female performers and the non-binary performers in this conversation? Um, and that grew out of the fact that there was a drag queen collective that was just sort of up and coming at our university. So Pex was literally born as a response um, and has kind of, we've continued to like find our way in that space. I think it's probably quite different as as a group than it is as a solo performer um, because quite often we'll produce our own shows which means obviously you're still answerable to venues and so on and like we still do lots of kind of nights where there are other performers but there's a little bit more um, maybe like we've had to forge our own spaces kind of thing Um, and I'm very aware that like when I'm trying to sort of get on a mixed bill 
it's in someone else's hands and so often queer spaces have historically been dominated by men um so it's definitely something you have to kind of navigate yeah um i think nowadays my gender is so everything in the air anyway that being a woman is just like a drop in the ocean of the concept of gender for me and so but i i i'm definitely i'm grounded in the fact that that's been a lot of my life experience and how i've been read and how i've been treated and how things have sort of reacted against my existence um i think because i started doing drag in a very small town when i was living in canada i didn't really have I wasn't that engaged in a scene that was like very, very gay, like that gay, it was like gay male dominated, but the town was so small. So it didn't even feel, as a Londoner, it didn't even feel like, um, it didn't sort of like feel like that thing was so strong in the way that I could obviously see it in like the media, for example. And when I would go to like bigger cities and see it and notice that like, obviously these events are more funded and all that kind of thing. being more in the scene I would say coming back to London and being more active in the dragging scene here and then spending a lot more time being in the cocoa butter club um I don't really like have to interact with like cis men like in that way like when it comes to my drag like I've had occasional gigs when I've been in like really specifically like gay male like cis male um cis men spaces um but that's not the majority of my space to be honest thankfully (laughs) um yeah I've I haven't been had to I haven't had to engage with that too much in my drag at the beginning like there was that like it it was a small town but still a white gay scene and there was like the ignorance and the racism and all that kind of stuff but also drag was a lot less of a th- it was a lot more like playful for me then so it was like go out get make some money not have to pay for drinks for the night it was just like okay whatever and it was those things were were those things were those experiences were notable to me outside outside of me being in drag like because I was like one of few black faces in that gay space anyway um yeah but since coming back to London and being a lot more intentional about where I'm present yeah I just don't really do my drag in places like that because it's not it's not even really for that audience so so would you say when you think about those early years when you were performing in the small town would you say like in terms of the criticism or the abuse or even just like, you know, the fuddy looks you received, was that more to do with gender or do you think it was more to do with race? I think it was more to do with race. Really? Yeah. It was a lot more, it was a lot more racialized, um, because I'm not like particularly femme presenting anyway. So like, and that sort of black woman experience, I already sort of experienced like masculinization in that way. Um, so I don't think drag was too far off of a concept of like how people saw me anyway it was major most of the most of the experiences people just reacting to blackness in whatever weird ways white people do what they do Uh, (laughs) yeah yeah it's such a it's such a toxic and such a kind of I guess disappointing is the word that I would use when I think about it you know the fact that you have a space that is looked down upon by a lot of people within the mainstream and then within that marginalized it's like you have people that will 
you know, be racist or be transphobic. And it's like, are you not game that like this is supposed to be a safe space for so many people and then it's just ruined? Like you see it all the time with like the um, RuPaul's Drag Race franchise and how the queens of colour get abuse from so-called fans. And yeah, it just it's such a shame and it's so disappointing that that, that happens and it still happens. Mm. Yeah, Isabel, I mean, how how much has your kind of your race played a part in your drag journey, would you say? For me, I would say it's probably been more internal. Like, again, because of having Pex as the sort of the, the, safe, the safe environment, the little bubble within which I've been creating work, um, like we'll have guests in. But to be honest, anyone that's coming to the show, hopefully they're not like, <laughs> the kind of like lovely kind queers that are also yeah like, like why have you spent your money to like hate me like <laughs> <just> <laughs> yeah, <leave. that> would <laughs> pretty strange I guess I will say that like you know occasionally there have been things like people will uh so audiences might overstep boundaries because you've done like a sexualized performance they then think that they have the right to touch you or the right to like speak to you in a certain way um and I have no doubt that like obviously with the kind of legacy of like people having access to black people's bodies I'm sure that's at play there as well um but I wouldn't say that's the norm in any way like that would be a few isolated incidents um yeah it's interesting I think there's definitely an element where I'm like very interested by what performing sexuality for an audience and like with the background that Pex comes from and with the kind of I guess like average theatre-y queer audience is like majority white what performing my like me performing sexuality for that audience is definitely something that I sort of have an ongoing question around and like you know when I feel at my most free and I'm like connecting with an audience, there's still a part of me that's kind of like, okay, what are you getting from this? And like, what's the power dynamic? But I like, I feel very lucky that with Pex and with the work that we make, it all, it always feels deliberate and it always feels proud and it always feels like I'm in the driving seat. Mm-hmm. That's such an interesting point because it reminds me of being at comedy shows and say the comedian on stage is black and they tell a joke to do with race and you look around the audience and some white people are laughing and it's like, why are you laughing? (laughs) (laughs) And it is that awkward thing. It's like, well, they are here to enjoy themselves. Like, are they being an ally? Like, you know, and I'm sure that's something you you battle with, like in your Mm -hmm. head a bit. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I mean, performing for white audiences. (laughs) Discuss. Yeah. (laughs) there's also a different thing like because drag being a kit drag king or drag thing is a a little bit more niche um the audience audiences are a little bit more niche so i would say in that respect like the likelihood of harm does lessen slightly um and even smaller than with i perform a lot with the cocoa butter club they're like my main sort of like performance gang um and that's because it's a black and poc cabaret space and so that means that even if we're doing a show where there's a lot of a white audience like my entire experience of being on stage and backstage is just interacting with black people or people of color and that just means a very different thing in terms of comfort level in terms of standing in your ideas and your capabilities and creativity and um, Cassie and Sadie who run the Cocoa Butter Club are very intentional about the care of the performers Um, 
so that that makes all the difference that's the thing when you're being a token on the lineup as opposed to being a respected performer on the lineup um, people are actually checking for your well-being and that that just means that you get to actually be in your performance as opposed to thinking about all this other stuff that distracts from it so real yeah and also i guess i would say like that's something that i'm so that i so appreciate about specifically drag kinging is like you're not necessarily there to just like entertain like you're there to challenge and to ask questions and to like invite an audience to think in a different way so it's not just like i think it, you know i might feel differently if i was just like i don't know just just trying to like gratify do you know what i mean but there are so many different things at play and that's like there's a power in that as well yeah and there's like also i think because um people are just very used to femininity being used as like a joke um that inherent challenge of masculinity being what's being made fun of is something that's basically almost always new for someone at a show. I think that you don't quite get that same thing at drag queen shows where there's people who haven't seen drag queens before. But I think almost every single drag king show I've ever done, there's people, always people who are just like, I've never seen a drag king before. And that's, I, I totally agree with you, Isabel, in that way of saying that, like, yeah, you're mere sort of existence in that way like is a challenge and a jar in a way that people need yeah. I think um so I'm, I'm sure you two have seen the news around RuPaul's Drag Race the UK season three and um that one of the contestants will be the first cis female drag queen on the show Victoria I think her name is Victoria Scone. yeah um I mean do you ever think to play with drag queens is that something you've ever you know wanted to do or do you think is that just a very different art form you know where do you stand on that kind of thing yeah totally like interestingly enough I think I'm probably the most comfortable exploring my femininity now since I've gotten more comfortable doing drag kinging like diving into being a drag king and diving into like what masculinity is supposed to be has just made me sit so much more comfortably in my body um and in femininity as well and so i don't i don't know if i would do it as like stage performance but i'm definitely into it in terms of just playing like with like at home makeup all those sorts of things i mean who knows to be honest it's not mm. impossible like maybe yeah. I will. <laughs> do, do you know what i mean <laughs> do you know what i mean i think there's some things that are on the list because they connect to my drag character um but i just yeah i think that's totally that's the point that's the thing is that it's such a like cis male dominated space and gender is fake so <laughs> <laughs> why shouldn't anyone be allowed it. to play with it <laughs> yeah i mean i'd i'd like definitely be up for it i think one of my like one of my favorite exercises that we did um on that like our first day trying drag um was a sort of sliding scale and it's something that we still use in our pex workshops to this day is basically like if you imagine that there is a spectrum masculinity to femininity for the purposes of the exercise um and then and then basically place yourself at different points along it so you know we'd walk in like we'd be like oh what does neutral look like or feel like to you and then what would be you know a number two on the scale what would be a five what would be a 10 of masculinity and you know it's just a it's just a method of exploration but it's so exciting and obviously we in our work have taken ourselves more along the masculine side of the spectrum but I just think 
that big breakthrough and what I still find so exciting about drag to this day was realizing that like you can put yourself wherever on the spectrum whenever you want in every second of the day <laughs> so like absolutely I can see that there'd be so much fruit in like exploring the femininity as well and for me it was a very deep it, it like that was like an existential realization for me that I had through my early years development chosen my place on the femininity spectrum and like religiously stuck to it and let other people police it and that was the day when I suddenly was like, oh, like I can just choose where I want to be. And that was my first time trying that. So, yeah, I think like it could be really, really fun to do some queening and could could like help me find some new points on the spectrum that I haven't found yet. <laughs> so, I mean, when you do get into drag, do you see that as another character? Is it an alter ego? Is it, you know, still yourself, but a different version? You know, what does what does your, your drag persona mean to you? I think it's a mix for me. I think it's a space where I am able to sort of play with lots of versions of myself um, and still feel like grounded in who I am, um, as opposed to having to engage different parts of myself like I have to do every day just to like move through the world um so Wesley is a, a little bit of me but also a little bit of like lots of other versions of masculinity that I've seen in the world um and I think he helps me know parts of myself better as well that's beautiful yeah I think um so this is definitely something that I so like my my I say my drag character is Izzy Aman, but like there isn't really for me a set character. Like he's not he doesn't do a huge amount of talking. So it's not I know some drag queens it's like, oh, you know, they've got a mic and they'll be like chatting to you and they've got all their sort of ways of being. That's not really how I do my drag. Like it tends to be specific acts that I've built in quite a lot of detail and they'll often be like lip sync or found audio or even like a tribute to someone else. So like I've done a Prince one before and like action hero where I did loads of action hero movies. So it, yeah, I would say he's more of a sort of like a prism through which I can then like explore whatever the thing is that I want to explore in the act. Um, I think maybe when we went, maybe when we started out, like a lot of us had these quite rigid ideas about like because it's you know quite it's quite a fun like early stage thing to do to be like oh who's my king and I'm going to decide all these things about it and I'm going to like parody masculinity in these ways or you know interrogate it whatever it might be but then actually as you go along you realize that like it is kind of a part of you as well and actually there's more there's more fruit to be like gleaned from letting it be looser or at least letting it be more specific but more variably at different times um and like, I think something that I've loved doing with Pex has been not just going for the hyper-masculine all the time. Like, you know, in our 80s show, we had a David Bowie tribute, we had a Prince tribute. You know, these are men who don't wear conventional masculinity very heavily, you know. <laughs> Freddie Mercury, wham, we love exploring the camp stuff, you know, the more effeminate stuff as well. So, um, yeah, I think it's it's really lovely to just think of it as like, is he a man, is me in drag? But what that looks like on any given day or in any given show could be a world of things, Yeah. One of the sort of best pieces of advice I got for drag, for doing drag kinging was that not to, don't think about what things are like masculine or manly. Think about people who you, who you think are masculine or who are men and think about, and just think about them and how they are. And like that changes the whole conversation about what masculinity is. Because like you said, from Prince to Dwayne Johnson to 
to to who else i don't know to kanye west that's like a lot of different types of masculinities but all those people are men and all those people would probably be classed as as pretty manly like i would say like even like diehard cis hetero men love prince like they they don't know why people don't know why and even looking back at the sort of like 70s and 80s and how fashion evolves and how people wore clothes and showed off their bodies and this sort of thing it's like you can't tell me that masculinity is anything specific it's not really real like have you seen those damn 70s costumes (laughs) (laughs) oh the eye makeup the eyeliner like like... (laughs) that video for like Midas Touch that song was ago oh my god the gold suit I was just like (laughs) or like all the courtly men in their like 1800s and their high heels and like wigs and powder and you're like exactly like that was the definition of masculinity at the time like (laughs) literally yeah and it's constantly changing Mm -hmm. um I mean, we've kind of just touched on this, but I suppose I wanted to end by kind of asking, you know, what you've learned about just gender and sexuality in general from doing drag that you kind of passed on into your everyday life or that you passed on to friends or that you wish your audience would take on just about, you know, how they see their own identity that you've learned from doing drag. I think a big one for me was like, know the rules that you're living by and decide for yourself whether you actually want to abide by them. That was the thing for me. Amen. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> like the bars, though. Honestly, just mic like, drop. Live how you want, but at least like have have made that decision for yourself. And that was that was the big realization for me. Was just like, oh, actually, like I've always made my hips move in this way, and actually, I don't want to do that. It's tiring, and it doesn't serve me. So I'm just going to stop. And then suddenly, you're moving through the world in a whole new way. That's much more you. That's so real. So, so real. Ooh, that was a good one. How am I going to follow that up? <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> um, I think it's just like, who are, like, you, like, yeah, no, you're right, like, Isabel. I think it's a lot to do with just like, who are you without these definitions? Like, if you, if, if someone's not calling you a woman, someone's not calling you a man, and someone's not, saying she this or he this or that's never referred to like what does that mean for your life like just think about it i Mm. guess (laughs) challenge yourself almost yeah (laughs) yeah just just engage with it like i think that's the thing is that people take out their discomfort on those of us in the community like trans women who are black trans women who are visibly like challenging those ideas people take out their discomfort on them they take out their discomfort on us it's like keep your discomfort inside and talk about it <laughs> with yourself <laughs> like stop bringing your damn trauma to people's like doorsteps <laughs> deal with your own damn like, goddamn trauma like don't put that on me just have like, a conversation stand in front of the mirror and be like yeah what like if I didn't have to tick man or woman in this box what would it mean for me do I still love myself Mm. why why not it's kind of that that old um that old idea of you know people that bully are not happy in their own lives yeah and and it's sad that you know that's something we learn in the playground but then it truly transcends into adulthood and it's like go get therapy (laughs) yeah like we're not like we're not being kitted out at all with the emotional skills to process that thing I feel like 
coming as being an adult, quote unquote, it just I feel like adults are just most <laughs> most people are just old children. <laughs> I feel like I just got told about myself. I'm like, damn, <laughs> I need to sit with that. Oh, it's so true. <laughs> oh, God. Well, thank you so much, both of you, for being on this week's episode. Like, I really loved hearing your stories and about your work. Where can people find you on social media? Where can people find out about your work and where to see you live and all that good stuff? I am at. Uh at Mr. Wesley Dykes on most things. I'm mostly on Instagram, occasionally on Twitter, but that's rare, so find me on Instagram. And uh, I've got a show at the Cocoa Butter Club on the 17th and 18th of September at Underbelly in South Bank. Um, Yeah. I am at bellfrog, B-E-L-L-E frog on Instagram. Um, and Pex is at Pex Drag Kings. Pex as in pectoral muscles. Um, <laughs> just to be clear. <laughs> just to be clear. <laughs> Was that not clear? Pectoral muscles. Um, and yeah, we've got a show um, about to open at the Soho Theatre. We're running from the 30th of August to the 4th of September. And then we've got various things running through autumn. So yeah, come join us. Come check it out. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did and maybe learned a new couple of things too. Don't forget to follow and keep in touch with Dope Black Women every week and to keep up with everything we do and everything we post. Follow us on Instagram at Dope Black Women 1 and on Facebook and Twitter at Dope Black Women. See you next week. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.